anybody here been to an escape room, a breakout room? Oh, boy, there's lots of hands. Where did you go? Westchester. Westchester? Yeah. Anybody else go to Westchester? Yeah. How about some other place besides Westchester? Indianapolis? Indianapolis. Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Sharonville. They're all over the place, aren't they? Okay, what the work. There we go. Well, I was taken to an escape room down in North Myrtle Beach. The breakout room. The home of the shag, right? Doug and Kathy? North Myrtle Beach. And there was about eight brave souls in our family that decided to go there that day. And you had to go through as a party of ten. And it was just like any normal building, the outside, just this facade. They had taken over this downtown building, and they had turned it into this puzzle room, I would say. The four or five rooms in there, and they would close you in the first room, and you had to figure out how to get to the next room, how to get to the next room, how to get to the next room, until you got out, and you had 60 minutes to do so. And uh, we got in there, and the eight of us, we had never been through this experience before, and we were paired with two other people that had already been in that kind of environment. They'd already been in a breakout room. And all of a sudden, within just a few seconds after them closing us into this room, they were turning the furniture upside down and taking the portraits and pictures. Like, what is going on here? And they were trying to figure out the combination that would release them from that room, get us all out of there. And you know what? So oftentimes we in life are in a room like that where we feel confined, we feel shackled, we feel imprisoned. You know, when you go through life, there's all kinds of experiences you're going to have. And oftentimes you're going to struggle with stress. You're going to combat cravings. You are going to battle bitterness. You are going to fight fear. There's all kinds of things in this world and on this journey that we call life that you are going to face. And in this series, we're calling Escape. We want to pray for one another. We want to encourage one another. We want to love each other uh, to find help and hope in Jesus Christ, the ultimate freedom. You can be liberated today and know hope in God. And so that's what this series is about because, you know, in life, it's composed of all kinds of risk. You can't get through life without risk. Risk is everywhere in this life. And, in fact, you have to think, well, why did God put so much risk in this world? I think in large part, God wanted us to learn to trust in him. God wants us to learn to live by faith, to really rely upon our Lord and, you know, all through the Bible, God asked people to put their faith in him. And one of the greatest examples of this, in my mind, is found in the book of Exodus. In this series on escape, I've really been going back to the book of Exodus. Exodus there, and especially this story of the people that were in bondage for something like 400 years. They were in bondage. They were beaten and battered. They had no hope. And you can just imagine what they must have felt like, the experience they must have had. They were in chains. They were overworked. They probably didn't sleep half the time, probably weren't fed very well. It was a horrible condition in which they found themselves. 
but through the power of God and how he used Moses, how he worked in that situation, those people were liberated and they passed through the Red Sea. And I want you to notice here in the Bible what these people experienced. And uh, let me read a few verses of scripture here. And it's in Exodus 14. And as Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. And in great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is there not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid and stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today shall never be seen again. And the Lord will fight for you and you will have only to keep still. And then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. Now, this is an amazing story indeed. And there's a lot of things that I observe. I'm reading this text today, and maybe you're here today and you've got some fear in your life. This is a text for you today because fear and phobia is a lot of times something that really keeps us like in prison. We, we get fearful. We got a situation. There's a circumstance, and maybe it is at work. Or maybe it is some type of relationship, maybe it's an addiction, whatever it is, but we, we get so down and we feel empty and we're defeated and we're depleted. And these people, here they were being led out of bondage and here they come to this moment where there's a great deal of fear that overwhelms them. And notice the first thing that happens here is they get skeptical. You know, sometimes when you confront that fear in your life, suddenly you get very skeptical. And notice it said here in verse 11, Did you bring us out here, Moses, in the desert to die? What are you doing? They became very skeptical. You know, when we face those kinds of things, often what do we do? We become skeptical. We begin to doubt God. We begin to doubt uh, your... your uh, relationship with the Lord, you doubt other people, you even doubt yourself. You have some of that self-doubt that creeps in. And these people were out here in the desert and, you know, studies have shown that, that cynics at their root oftentimes have a problem with fear, some phobia. And often you ridicule what you're afraid of. Not only that, but notice what else is going on in the lives of these people here as these verses are unfolding here. You just imagine these people standing there and there's mountains on either side. There's the ocean in front of them and old Pharaoh is barreling down with all the Egyptian army behind them. And not only do they become skeptical, but also they get very selfish. And you know what? That's what fear oftentimes does to us. It makes us selfish, doesn't it? When you're afraid, the only thing you can think of is yourself. You don't think of other people. You don't think of other things, but suddenly you, be, you start thinking on, number one, yourself. And look here in this text. It says here, look what you have done to us. Moses, look what you have done to me. And, you know, often fear does that to us. We not only at times get skeptical, but we become selfish. And when you're afraid, 
You really accuse other people. You begin to point the finger. You excuse yourself. I don't have anything in this, no skin in the game. But you pass the buck and you blame other people. But not only were these people very skeptical, and not only did they suddenly become very selfish, but notice here something else. They became stubborn. And isn't it true that oftentimes when we face uh, situations and there's fear that kind of grips our hearts, suddenly we become very obstinate? And that's what's going on here. It says in verse 12, Did we not tell you before we left Moses that this would happen? I told you so. I told you if we ventured out and if we tried to get out of this bondage, I told you what was going to happen. And in other words, they were saying to Moses, don't rock the boat. Don't leave the crutches behind. Uh, don't upset the status quo. We've always done it this way before. And fear, I got to tell you, keeps a lot of people from moving forward. Fear and phobia keeps a lot of organizations. It prevents a lot of businesses. It keeps churches from moving forward, becoming very obstinate. We won't admit it when we're wrong. And somebody said the hardest thing to open is a closed mind. But not only that, listen here to this next portion of this verse. Not only the people were skeptical and suddenly became selfish and they were stubborn, but it made them very short-sighted. They, they suddenly couldn't see the whole thing that was going on, the whole forest because of the trees, the fear there. And when the Israelites were confronted here with the Red Sea, it said in the latter portion of verse 12, it would have been better for us to be as slaves in Egypt than to be here in the desert. They wanted to go back to the good old days of being in chains. They wanted to just go back to the way it was, even though their circumstance was not very good, of course. But they wanted to go back and be in that situation. They wanted to return and retreat. You know, it's kind of like the Jaws movie. Anybody seen Jaws? You know, you just have to play a little bit of that music, and you probably remember seeing that movie for the first time, right? You know, there was a marathon. I was flipping through the channels uh, one afternoon. There's Jaws on. They're doing it all day. And, you know, back when the movie first came out, you know, people stopped going to the beach. A lot of people became suddenly fearful of going in the water. We were down in um, uh, down at North Myrtle Beach, and on the local news, back here in July, the local news was talking about shark attacks. I happened to notice the next day I didn't see as many people out on the beach. Shark attacks. But I'm told in the statistics that less than one American dies every year from a shark attack. It's something like 0.8 or 0.9 people lose their life from a shark every year. You know, if you want something to worry about, you need to worry about your TV and your furniture. You realize that? The average is 27 people die from a piece of furniture crushing them or a TV falling off the wall. If you really want to worry something, you know, about something, worry about something like that. And I got to tell you, I think we need to turn off Jaws, get off our couch, and go for a swim. <laughs> we need to get out there. These Israelites here, you could just imagine how short-sighted they became when old Pharaoh was barreling down upon them. Let me just tell you four simple steps that we can implement in our life 
that really I think we can draw from Scripture. I think we can think about. These are pretty straightforward and, um, you know, things that we can really use in our life to overcome those things that have just defeated us, those things that really just weigh us down when we feel like we're in the breakhouses of, of, of this life and we don't know what we're going to do. And we're afraid something's wrong with us, but we're afraid to go to the doctor or what, what's going to happen if I step out and try to overcome this? All kinds of those things. Principle number one I want to say to you is this. The principle of information. It has amazed me how many people live their lives on a lie. This is the era of fake news, isn't it? This era of fake goods. Uh, you know, there's a lot of counterfeit. You know, the millennials, they want transparency. They want it in the raw. And I got to tell you, a lot of people live on denial. They live these myths they tell themselves. And the first principle is you got to get the facts. What is the reality? What is the information? If you're going to escape, God wants you to get the facts. Anything that requires faith is going to have some risk in it. And God doesn't want you making foolish risk. That's not faith. And so it says, first of all, get the facts. Now, a couple verses in Proverbs says this. This one in here in Proverbs 13. Every prudent person acts out of knowledge. And there's another one in the book of Proverbs in uh, chapter 23. It says in the living version of the Bible, it says, get the facts at any price. Make sure whatever it is that you get the facts. You know what it really is that's going on. Sometimes we have just enough information that we become dangerous. We avoid things and we don't move forward because we don't have the real facts. We don't have the information. And when you're going to make a decision, you get the facts. Studies show that most new businesses fail because of uneducated enthusiasm. You ever watch Shark Tank? They bring all these great products in and so oftentimes they'll say, well, did you really research this? And, well, no, and they just launch out there without any kind of education, and they just absolutely bomb. This happens a lot in relationships, too. The couples that I uh, have, have come together, and especially young couples, and, and they want to get married, and, you know, they have this white picket fence, these unrealistic expectations, and, and have you ever thought about, you know, ask them how, you, you know, how you're going to parent? No, we hadn't thought about that, but it'll all work out. Have you ever thought about a budget? How are you going to support yourself? No, we haven't thought about any kind of budget like that. It, and all kinds of ways, and people just go forth, and they don't have, you know, the information. They say, oh, well, we love each other, but I'm going to tell you, it takes more than love to make a marriage. And I say to you, get the facts. Information, the principle of information. Don't live your life on a myth, on false information, but make sure you have the right information, get the facts. A second principle, also important, is the principle of evaluation. And that is make sure you count the cost. Make sure you analyze the risk. You find out why and what you're doing and what the risk is. Now, you know there are all kinds, talking about risk, there are all kinds of these warning labels on everything. Have you noticed that? It seems like everything's got a warning label. And so here this past summer, there was a, a stroller around the church, and there was a warning on there. Remove infant before folding stroller. 
you would think that most people would know that, right? But I guess somewhere at some times, somebody did something crazy, and suddenly you have to have warnings on everything. So I started looking around, and there was this other one I saw on the internet, and it was a, a costume, a Batman costume, and it had a little cape on it, and there was a warning. Cape will not enable you to fly. <laughs> and there was another one on there that said a bottle of hair coloring. Don't use as an ice cream topping. <laughs> Why is it that people do the crazy things they do? I say they don't evaluate the risk. Everything's got a price tag. Everything's got a price tag. Even Jesus talked about this, and Jesus there in Luke 14, Jesus is talking about counting the cost, the cost of discipleship. Follow me. And here's what you're going to have to do. If you're going to follow me, he's talking about that. And he says there in that text down in Luke 14, verse 28 and 31, he says here, don't begin until you count the cost. Who would begin construction of a building without first getting an estimate? And Jesus said, what king would dream of going to war without first setting down with his counselors? And it goes on to say there uh, how many he's got in his army pretty basic stuff. He says, if you're going to build a building, find out how much it's going to cost. If you're going to go to war, you better sit down and analyze the strength of your army. Analyze the risk. You know, here's a principle. It's always easier to get in than it is to get out. Isn't that true? It's always easy to whip out the plastic. It's easy to get in debt. But boy, it's hard to get out of debt. It's easy sometimes to get in a relationship, but it's hard to get out of a relationship. It's very easy to add things to your calendar and the stress can keep mounting, but I tell you, it's hard to fulfill everything on your calendar. It's a principle of life. You better analyze the risk. You better evaluate what's going on. There was a guy, the story was here uh, some time back, and he went to a honky-tonk or some type of bar, and he uh, was up in Canada, I believe, and he uh, asked the waitress to dance with him. And the waitress refused. And he pulled out a gun and shot her five times. She fell down in an effort to escape. You know what happened? He tripped over her and broke his neck. Now, as severely wounded as she was, she survived, but he didn't. And I got to tell you today, you need to evaluate what you do. The principle of evaluation Everything's got a price tag, right? There's consequences to your actions. The principle of information, the principle of evaluation. But then I want to say to you the principle of preparation in the book of Proverbs helps us again. A prudent person gives thought to his steps. The principle of preparation. You think about where you're going. Faith is expecting the best. It's knowing God is going to meet you there. You got to get prepared. Now, here the Bible says in, in Proverbs 16, another one, we should make plans counting on God to direct us. And notice there are two parts, our part and God's part. Counting on God to direct us. Prayer and preparation, in other words, they go together. And that is true, isn't it? Before you spend, you better earn. Before you invest in something, you better investigate it. Before you uh, retire, you better save. 
Before you write, you better think. Before you speak, you better listen. There's a time of preparation. I, I wrote down a quote here some time ago, and it says, If you don't prepare and prevent, you will likely repair and repent. And isn't that true? The principle of preparation. And these three steps bring us down to the last step, and this is where I want to spend the, the last couple of minutes of our time, and it's the principle of initiation. Initiation. You gotta let go and launch out there if you are going to be a person of faith. Yeah, I think I told you before that one of the things I did when I was a kid is I went to the circus. Anybody ever been to the Barnum and Belly Circus? I know we don't have those these days. But you know, with all the, they put the, the lions in there and the lion tamer would be in an act and then you had other things going on. You had the, the elephant, uh, then it would come out and parade. But my favorite was the trapeze artist, let me tell you. And these folks would be suspended like 100 feet above the ground and sometimes there wouldn't even be a net down below. One of the acts I went to, but most of the time there was a net there, a safety net. And they always had those bars just so far apart where you had to let go one bar and you had to leap out and grab the other bar. And there was always that moment, that split second, where people were suspended 100 feet just in midair and they weren't holding on to anything. And that's what I want to say to you is really the parable of what it means to live by faith. And that is you got to let go of the past in order to grab on to the future. You see, you have to let go of security sometimes in order to grab on opportunity. And what we want to do is we want to hold on sometimes to the past. We don't want to let go. Even though things seem to be destructive, things don't feel so good. We got bad habits. There's some myths we're living our life on, but it's just kind of comfortable and familiar right now. And we just can't launch out there. Um, the first time I ever went to Space Mountain, I put a picture of this up here. Uh, Space Mountain's been open for a long time, but I remember when I was a kid and I went down there, and I remember there's this long line, like hour and a half, two hours to ride this thing, and there were warnings all along the way. You'd walk a little bit and there'd be a warning. If you're pregnant, don't ride this ride. Well, I knew it wasn't pregnant, so I had to keep going. And then you'd go a little further if you, you got a bad back or if you're dizzy. Or if you got a high blood pressure, there's all these warnings. And they had these little places where you could, uh, some turnouts, where if you chickened out, you, you could just slip off, right? You just act like you're going to the bathroom and see you later. <laughs> but you know, you finally get up there and they strap you in that bobsled. And that's the point of no return. You know, there's no way of getting out of this thing. You got to go through it. And that's a fact. And, um, you know, so often in life, that's what I call the moment of truth. And that's where the Israelites were at the Red Sea, and they were backed into a corner. And, you know, are you going to go forward with the Lord today? What is your Red Sea? Let me just ask, what is it that is your Red Sea? This last verse here is kind of stunning. It says in verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, quit praying. Quit praying and get the people moving forward marching. You know what? I like that. Maybe you're here today and you really need to step out now. Step out in faith. 
Nothing happened in these people's lives until they started stepping out on the water. And I wonder today what it is that you need to escape from. I want to ask you to pray with me here as we close our, our time together. No, it's a very important time. We're all in this together, this thing we call life. We're in the journey, and I know there's so many challenges, and I just want to lift you up today. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever problems that you're bearing, whatever circumstances swirling about you, oh, Lord, we lift up each and every one here today. We thank you for this place of peace. We thank you for this place where we can break out, where we can come to that moment and put our hand in your hand and allow your spirit to lead us and guide us. And we just pray for that today. We know there's someone here, Lord, that just needs to break out. They need to just step out and follow you. We pray that this would be the day. Hear our prayer. Help your people to break out. In Jesus' name, amen.